Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven, so that you have to ask who will ascend to heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so that you might obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So, um, when I saw that film first off, the one about Cena uh, a few minutes ago, I, um, I thought that was really powerful, very moving um, story of that individual and her family. So stories. When I was much younger, I used to love playing jokes on my friends. And believe me, they played jokes on me as well. It wasn't just uh, one way. And one of the things I used to love doing was telling them tales, basically, I remember one occasion, it was very, very mean, but uh, a friend of mine, Zach, and a mutual friend of ours, Ollie, we played a joke on Ollie, because Ollie had had his bike stolen, okay? And so uh, we knew his bike had been stolen, and we knew what bike it was, because we'd been out with him. And then on on one particular day, Zach and I thought, we're going to play a joke on him. And so we rang up, and we pretended to be the local police station, telling him that his bike had been found... And uh, just asking him, and I pretended to be Sergeant Penny from the uh, local police station. And I said, oh, son, could you just describe my bike, your bike to me? And so he described it. I said, oh, well, this is looking really promising because um, it, it matches the description perfectly, the one that we've got here. And uh, I said, so if you could just come down to the police station and you could claim it. And he said, oh, great. I'll just go and have a word with my dad, he said. So he came back a minute or two later and said, well, come right away. So I said, okay, see you in a minute then, son. Put the phone down, and Zach's, Zach's listening on the other phone, and he said, we better get round there quick. We're going to get in such trouble. So we dashed around, we knocked on the door, and his dad answered the door, and he said, not now, boys. We've got to go down to the police station. <laughs> so at that moment, we had to tell the truth, and we did. And uh, fortunately, they saw the funny side, because Ollie was always praying, playing jokes on us. There was another occasion, 
uh, when we did tell another friend that he'd been chosen to represent the under-18s national badminton side <laughs> and was gutted when he discovered that we were joking. But anyway, that was another occasion. They're tall tales. That story gripped Ollie, my friend, because he was involved in it and it would make a difference to him. Now, I wonder whether you remember the first story that gripped you. What's the first story that you loved? Or if you're really young, what's, the, what's your favorite story? What was the first story that you really loved? Maybe it was the first book you discovered or fell in love with. Maybe it was a tall tale from your granddad. I remember sitting on my granddad's knee and looking at his bullet wounds from the Second World War. And he used to tell me the stories, and it seemed really exciting. Of course, it wasn't exciting, but to a, a seven-year-old boy, it was very exciting. Or maybe it's your favorite film, or was your favorite film. I wonder what it is for you. What's the first story that you loved, the first story that gripped you? I want you to just have a think about it and have a chat with somebody next to you and just share with them the first story that gripped you, the, your favorite story. Go for it. Have a little natter about it, and then we'll hear back. Okay, everybody. So I wonder what it is. Anybody want to share what their favorite story is or the first story that gripped them, that you loved? Come on, we'd love to hear if you'd like to share. Yes, Margaret? This, this was Out with Romany by Meadow and Stream, which my brother used to read to us. Ah, wonderful. Oh, brilliant. So a story your mum used to read. That's lovely. Uh, I can understand why. Yeah. Andrew? the house and it was so beautiful and he went through the door but when he went to turn the tap on it didn't turn on there was no water in it and then when he saw a lovely bowl of fruit on the side he tried to eat it but it was plastic and he ended up in bed with his little nose peeping out of the bed and that's all you could see just a little nose peeping out of the bed very sad mouth oh, that's the first story brilliant anybody else Sally one second Um, a book called Rosie's Walk. It's about a chicken that goes for a walk. Um, the words are very boring, but the pictures show that she's actually stalked by a fox all the way through, and uh, he has a series of unfortunate accidents as he tries to catch her. Uh, good. That's good. And you've just read it, have you? Yes. <laughs> just finished it. <laughs> a boy and his dog. A boy and his dog. Yes, we're reading that at the moment, aren't we? A boy and his dog. Well, there's some good stories there. <clears throat> For me, the first story that I remember really loving was, um, by, uh, it was by Enid Blyton, and it was called The Secret Island. I don't know if anybody read that. But my mum read me that book when I was about seven, and I just loved it. And then I read it again and again and again, immediately after that, and I loved it. So, a story can be life transforming it can make an impact it we can carry the memories of that wonderful experience throughout our life and i wonder about i wonder about your life story what's happened so far in your life what twists and turns have you been through if a film producer came from hollywood today and said they wanted to make a blockbuster movie out of your life okay 
a blockbuster movie about your life, what main events would be in that movie? What main events would be in that movie? Just have a think about that quietly to yourself now. You don't have to talk about it. Just have a think. What main events would be in your movie? Oh, there's some cogs wearing there, isn't there? So, it's an interesting question, isn't it? But there's an amazing truth about life. That none of us has to live our story alone. None of us. God promises to be with us. No matter what we're going through. Each of us can experience the joy of being part of God's story. And God being part of of our story. And it makes all the difference in the world. Having God involved in our story means that we have him with us through every twist and turn of life, every chapter, every scene. In fact, God knows where the story is going. He's been offering guidance to his people literally forever. In our reading, from the Bible that Mia read to us, we heard how God is guiding his people, Israel, as he always promised to do. God's been with his people through famine. He's been with them through slavery. And as we join them, at this point in their story, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 38 years. That's three years longer than I've been alive and 15 years less than Steve Ellis, one of our wardens. So, whichever way you look at it, it's an incredibly long time to be wandering in the desert. And now, at this moment in their history, they are poised. They're poised to enter the promised land. The land that God promised to them. And so, at this moment in history, God doesn't just say, okay, go your own way. It's been, it's been great to walk with you. No, he makes it very clear what he wants of his people. And so he lays before them a choice. A choice. He doesn't want people to be like remote-controlled robots. God doesn't want to be, you know, sat in heaven with some remote control operating his people down on earth. That's not the way God works at all. God's more like the director of a movie. He works with us, the actors, if you like. Only it's not pretend, is it? It's real life. God is working with us. But God gives us this choice. And this choice is between life, on the one hand, and all that's good, and death, and all that's bad, on the other. To love the Lord, to walk in His ways, to follow His commands... And this will give us life, life as it should be, life with God. Or, if not, if we let our hearts turn away from him by being disobedient, by fixing our attention on things other than God, then we'll remove ourselves from God's care. And this choice affected the story of the Israelites, but it also affects every one of us too. We all face the same choice. Turn to God or turn away from God. The choices we face in life are real. 
And the consequences are real too. We're responsible for the choices we make. No one else is. Only us. God creates the way. He creates the path. We choose to walk in it or we choose not to. We may be responsible for our own choices, but often a number of people can contribute to a story. So like Cena in the movie, she made a clear choice. She wants to choose life, but she can't make that happen on her own. So who is writing your story? Who's writing your story? Is it just you? Is it other people? Are you just being driven by what other people want of you? Other people expect of you? Or is it God? Is God writing your story? Does he have a hand in it? Or is it a combination of all those? Why don't you just sit quietly again, just a moment or two, and think, who is writing your story? Are you trying to do it all on your own? Are you weary of that? Are you tired of it? Are you failing at it? Are other people driving you? Do they have too much of a hand in the writing of your story? Is God involved? Are you leaning on him? Are you depending on him? He's promised to be with you through every twist and every turn. So let's think a little bit more about Sina, this lady. Sina is a struggling mum. She's desperate to provide for her children. She's desperate to build a brighter future for them. And she's got some ideas to grow some vegetables, to keep chickens, so that she can sell the eggs and the vegetables at market and get some extra income. But she feels powerless to make these things happen. But with the help of the local church, supported by Tear Fund, she can work with others to move forward. KPIC's project won't simply give Sina a handout. She doesn't have to depend on them always for short-term help. She wants a long-term outcome to this. Sina is given the option to follow the good path, as she put it. She wants to choose life. So if this church can roll out this project, Sina has the opportunity to take part. She has the opportunity to join with her neighbours and her friends, with her community. She has the opportunity to pool her resources, to add her ideas to the mix, to take positive steps. It's giving Sina the power to make a good choice for her family to choose life. Sina is making a good choice, but others are helping to write her story. She isn't doing it alone. How about you? How about me? We have choices too. We can choose life by helping to give Sina and others like her the choice to change her own story for the better. We can also choose life by loving the Lord, walking in his ways and following his commands. It'll mean that we're not going through life on our own. We don't have to go through life on our own. There's also another choice we can make. All of us, in some ways, 
easily rely on short-term help or relief. We all do it. We look for things that give us comfort or relief or release from something. But it isn't necessarily a good thing. The things that we can rely on might not help in the long run. You know, kicking the cat might help with immediate frustrations. It's a terrible thing to do. And of course then, you do something like that, or you you shout at your family, or you get cross with your boss, or whatever it is, and you do those things, and then the feelings of guilt and frustration, and then the problems that come about after that, they all kick in, don't they? And the same pattern can be seen through our own choices. You know, we go in these cycles, don't we? Things get too much and we behave in certain ways and then we go through all of this thing again. We do it. We all do it. But like Sina, be encouraged to make choices that bring lasting change to your story through God's help and the help of other people. You know, the best parts in stories are when characters that we know and love collide with events or other characters. And then we're left waiting in tension to discover how they respond. Will they crack under pressure? Will their greatest weakness let them down? Will they overcome evil? Will it lead to their greatest achievement? One of my favorite films is Back to the Future. I grew up in, the, I was a teenager in the 80s. So this for me is, you know, it's like an amazing film. And it is, I think it's probably in the last, last of the series of films where we realize Marty's found out, the main character Marty, played by Michael J. Fox, he's found out that a choice that he makes at a set of traffic lights when somebody calls him chicken and accuses him of being a coward, that he then rises to this challenge to race this car that's next to him. And as he goes herring off when the lights turn green, he then crashes and it ruins a really promising career he could have in music he could be an absolute superstar musically speaking and so he discovers this by going into the future and then towards the end of the film you realize that he goes back and he learns from that and instead of careering then towards this crash he takes evasive action and misses out on it it's a pivotal moment in his story and there's often pivotal moments in stories You know, if we know Jesus, Jesus Christ, then we've experienced the most pivotal moment in God's story. The death of Jesus on the cross means that life is and will be radically different. It changes our story forever. All that Jesus has done changes everything. How we respond to every character, how we respond to every relationship, every opportunity, every challenge, every trauma. And through the church, Jesus will change Cena's story too, that lovely lady in the film, and her families. So to finish, I want to ask that question again. Who is writing your story? What does it mean for us now that we've crossed paths with Cena? What difference will it make to you? Will you do anything to help her? Will you do anything to help other people like her? A challenge has been given to us. We know there's a need. So how will we respond? Knowing Jesus influences what we do next in our story. 
And it always, always influences what we do next in our story. Knowing Jesus always does that. So how will we let God to help write the story of our lives? Like Cena, will we embrace the freedom that God gives and choose life? Will you and I allow Jesus to shape and mould every chapter of our story now and well into the future? I hope you will. I pray you will. Amen.